Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of Mediascope Brief. My name is Tachi. I bring you the best in media tech and pop culture news. And if you are listening on Anchor, you just heard Reese's Golden Boys. That's a that's an old one. I love that song and I love Reese, so I wanted to bring back some old school, well, kind of old school, <laughs> uh, rockish R&B stuff. Let's talk Facebook. They're banned from providing free lunch to their employees. In case you didn't know, in the Silicon Valley startup-y culture, offering free lunch is kind of a big thing. When I was a fellow for the the Academy, the Television Academy Foundation, which is the foundation to the Emmys, the people that produce the Emmys, I was a, a faculty fellow. We went to DreamWorks Animation, and they give their employees free breakfast and lunch and of course we had free lunch and I said what have I done to upset the gods that this is not my life anyway I digress so let's talk more about Facebook and this free lunch thing turns out that there really is no free lunch so they've been banned by local authorities from providing free lunch and this is why according to select all their new offices in Mountain View are of course there are local businesses surrounding it so this move is an attempt to help local businesses and restaurants who lose income when you have hundreds of thousands of people who work in the area and they don't spend money at these businesses and restaurants. So this ruling was passed in 2014, according to the San Francisco Chronicle. But at that point, these offices were still years from opening. 2,000 Facebook employees are supposed to move into the office in this complex called the Village at San Antonio Center. So according to this 2014 agreement with Facebook, the city stipulated that the tenants of the development cannot subsidize employee meals by more than 50%. Facebook can, however, cover the cost of employees' foods if they dine at restaurants that are open to the public. So what do you think about this? Do you think that's fair for Facebook to be outlawed from providing free breakfast or sorry, free lunch for their employees, they certainly can't afford it. So it would not be an imposition. But do you take the side of the local businesses where now you have all these people and they're not spending there? You could arguably say that if they're not spending there, they may spend at other places, but they could also bring food from home. Is that helping you? Well, let me know what you think. Are you on the side of Facebook when have the, have, wanting them to provide free lunch or to continue to provide free lunch for their employees or with the local businesses? Let me know. I'm so interested in hearing. Okay, cheers. Hey, welcome back. You know, we're already on a Facebook trajectory, so let's just stay there. Did you know that Facebook is running out of humans? Well... Yesterday, the company reported their earnings, and relatively speaking, the picture is not that great. Growth and sales are not falling exactly, but they're decelerating, and that's what investors do not want to hear. The stock dropped by nearly a quarter in after-hours trading, and tragically, Zuckerberg himself lost about $11 billion. So Facebook and the journalists who cover Facebook have tended to focus on the last two years of scandal and complaints as the source of the company's failure to meet expectations. So Wired magazine writes that this is the true cost of Facebook fixing its problems. Zuckerberg and other executives have said that uh, Facebook will be significantly increasing its operating budget so that they can address security problems affecting their profit margins. And that doesn't even address the cost of bad PR. So 
their success has always been built on growth figures, but to get that momentum or maintain that momentum, you have to add new users every quarter. So when Facebook reaches uh, market saturation, meaning it's being used by everyone who's able to use it, it's going to be hard to expand the user base, which is troubling for Facebook. And we have basically reached that point, or if we're not there yet, we're rapidly approaching it. So let's look at the math on internet usage and demographic statistics. 25 million Canadians, 250 million Americans that are on the internet and they're old enough to use Facebook. So that's about 275 million people who are eligible to use Facebook in two countries. Facebook says that it has 241 million monthly active users in the US and Canada, meaning that there are only around 33 million people in those two countries who could be Facebook users, but aren't. So to put this another way, according to Select All, 87% of Americans and Canadians who have the ability to use Facebook do. So, I mean, that's not really a huge surprise to people who've been watching Facebook, but American and Canadian growth has slowed and global growth a little bit and global growth has made up for it. So what are the stats on global internet access? They're a little bit less reliable. And so the picture is a little fuzzier, but it's possible that Facebook is running up against the same problem there too. 4 billion people have internet access. And of that group, 750 million are in China where Facebook is banned. So most of the people globally of that global group that have internet access are in China and Facebook is banned. So that leaves around 3.2 billion people around the world with internet access in countries where Facebook is accessible. So that's not, you know, a huge well, it's all right. (laughs) So it gets fuzzy, um, there. So this is a lot of numbers and guesstimating and all of that. But the bottom line is that Facebook is quickly approaching saturation. So meaning that everybody who can use Facebook and wants to, and can use Facebook is doing so. And so once that happens, you don't have a whole lot of growth. Think about this back in the day with the adoption of television At this point, television, well, it's funny. Television was at a saturation point, but with the advent of the largest generation, that is millennials, there are many millennials who don't have their own television and may not be compelled to go buy one. So it's funny, you get a deceleration that way. So we got to the point where televisions uh, were invented just uh, just before World War One. We're talking actually 1938, but the television did not become popular until after, sorry, World War Two. till after World War Two. Okay. So uh, shut down production of television sets because they amped up wartime production. So this was 1938 television was invented. We didn't really see any significant push or move to buy television sets until the 1950s. And then it just grew and grew and grew and grew. And we probably reached saturation point of people, most people in this country, at least having a television set by the 1990s. Okay. So what starts to happen is then of course they make innovations to television. They change up the different types of television. You get flat screens, you get uh, smart TVs, right? So, but the The point is people still have a TV, whether they're smart or not. So after a while you run out of people that can will buy. And now because we have a generation that watches 
programming on tablets and on computers, you're experiencing a deceleration. So that's kind of what's happening with Facebook. And that's what happens with uh, tech and some of these platforms in general. At some point, you reach saturation. So it will be interesting to see how they overcome that, what new products are there, because at this point you have to keep the users you have. So even if you don't lose user, or even if you don't gain users, you need to keep the ones you have. And Facebook is slightly decelerating. Okay, are you a Facebook user? You know I want to know. Let me know, cheers. Now, we're going to turn our sights to television and talk about a deal with Lifetime that Robin Roberts has been offered. She has signed a major production deal with Lifetime. Now, if you don't know who Robin Roberts is, she's a Good Morning America co-anchor, and she's now taking her talents to cable, but this is not going to affect her Good Morning America gig. So today at the Television Critics Association Summer Press Tour in LA, Lifetime announced that it signed this major production deal with Roberts for a series of movies and documentaries that, quote, inspire and educate audiences. It's going to be under the banner Robin Roberts Presents, and that it will debut next year. She's not the only TV news person working with the network. So back in April, former Fox anchor, Fox News anchor Gretchen Carlson signed a deal with Lifetime to create and host a series of Lifetime documentary specials to be developed by A&E Originals, the newly found nonfiction content development company. So Lifetime announced today that it's growing its original unscripted programming partnership with the former new Fox News anchor. And another TV news person, Former ABC 2020 co-anchor Elizabeth Vargas signed a deal with A&E Networks last year, or sorry, earlier this year. She's hosting programming under the new A&E Investigates banner and is developing and producing new nonfiction programming for A&E's other networks, including Lifetime, History, LMN, Lifetime Movie Network, and FYI. So it seems that we have some crossover going on here from TV news to news-like programming. Are you a Lifetime Network watcher? I, for one, God forgive me for this, but I can't take the Lifetime movies. It's too much for me. But this is why I'm glad that someone like Robin Roberts is going to be over there producing some stuff. Maybe we'll get some stuff that I actually will enjoy watching. No disrespect, Lifetime, okay? I'll be back soon with more news on tech and pop culture and media. Cheers. Okay, let's turn our sights to some music industry news. Let's talk about Spotify. Spotify officially revealed their latest official subscriber numbers today in an announcement, and it has everyone in the music industry talking. So, as part of its quarter two 2018 fiscal announcement, Daniel X Firm from out of Stockholm just revealed that it ended the month of June with a global paying subscriber base of, you guessed it, 83 million. That was up by 8 million from the 75 million subscribers that the company confirmed three months prior at the end of March in quarter one. In six months from January to June 2018 then, Spotify has added an average of approximately 2 million subscribers a month worldwide. Hmm. So according to 
uh, the music business worldwide's calculation calculations. Apple Music, who Spotify's biggest rival in the on-demand audio subscription world, would have ended June with around 44 million paying uh, paying subscribers worldwide, not including the free trial people, um, and around 39 million behind Spotify. Global Apple's global paying subscriber base is also currently growing by around 2 million a month. So I guess people are really into this music subscriber thing. Good for you. Interesting. So Spotify's latest fiscal results also show that it ended June with 180 million total monthly active users across both ad-supported and premium, up 30% year on year, up by 7 million on the newly adjusted 173 million seen at the end of March. I know that's a lot of numbers. Just know that they are up. To grow by 2 million a month is tremendous. That's huge. So, are you a Spotify? Are you in this 83 million? Are you a Spotify subscriber? I'm content with the free plan. Thanks very much. But let me know and let me know how you like it. Or are you an Apple Music person? Do you have both? And if you have both, how does Spotify compare to Apple Music? Is Pandora in, even in the game, in your opinion? Let me know what you think. I'm listening and waiting. Cheers. Welcome back. Let's talk about the never-ending saga of individuals involved in the media industries, not just media, but media is very prominent in terms of uh, sexual misconduct claims. Now, CBS is investigating sexual misconduct claims against CEO and President Leslie Moonves. Les Moonves, that's right. So CBS is getting ahead of a forthcoming report about allegations of sexual misconduct against Les Moonves, issuing a statement saying that it is investigating the matter. Moonves is reportedly the subject of an expose for The New Yorker, written by Ronan Farrow. Now, Farrow's investigation follows his Pulitzer Prize-winning story from last October on Harvey Weinstein's sexual abuse. CBS board of directors said this in a statement, all allegations of personal misconduct are to be taken seriously. The independent directors of CBS have committed to investigating claims that violate the company's clear policies in that regard. So the New Yorker article allegedly includes women alleging Moonves made unwanted sexual advances on them more than 20 years ago, including kissing and touching. Moonves has been chairman of CBS since February of 2016, and as this story develops, I'll let you know what happens. Okay, I'll be back soon with media, tech, and pop culture news abundance. Okay, cheers. Okay, and finally... We have a little bit of Disney news and the fact that they're going to be introducing their first African princess. They've acquired a pitch for a project called Sade. It's going to be a live action fairy tale film about an African princess based on an original idea by Ola Shakunbi and Lindsay Reed Palmer. Rick Famuyiwa is attached to produce. And if you don't know Rick Famuyiwa, you probably know the movie Dope. He directed Dope. So Shakumbi and Palmer will co-write the screenplay. And let me tell you a little bit about the story. Centers on a young African girl named Shade. And when her kingdom is threatened by a mysterious evil force, she accepts her newly discovered magical warrior powers to protect herself and her people. And with the help of the kingdom's prince, Shade embarks on an adventure that will allow her to embrace what makes her special and save the kingdom. 
Scott Falconer will be the executive producer. Tendo Nagenda and Zoe Kent are overseeing the project for the studio. And this is interesting because it's going to be the first time that an original Disney princess fairy tale is led by a female African character. In 2009, you probably remember The Princess and the Frog, and that featured Disney's first black princess. No director has been named yet, but this should be very intriguing. Those of us that have been waiting for more Disney princesses of color, it's coming. And this is not a surprise. With the success of the film Black Panther, I wouldn't be surprised if you see a slew of, of uh, Disney uh, projects that have some tie to Africa and African female leads. Okay, what do you think? Are you excited for it? For it? Are you interested in seeing it? Do you think that this is just riding on the coattails of the success of Black Panther? I'm interested to hear from you. Okay, let me know. Cheers. Hey everyone, maybe you're looking for a way to contact me off of these audio apps and I would welcome the opportunity to engage with you. Contact me at Tachiada, T-A-C-H-I-A-D-A on Twitter. Just send me a tweet. I'd love to interact with you. If you have any questions about anything media tech or pop culture, have a media tech or pop culture story, or just want to chat and chew the wind. That's not a saying, but I'm making it. Chew the wind. (laughs) In any case, I'd love to hear from you. Make sure you get at me and I will be back soon with more media tech and pop culture news. Cheers.